I went from straight meat eating conservative to queer vegetarian atheist. <laughs> it felt like kind of overnight. And then it's been the past decade kind of not realizing it's not just a switch mm-hmm. that the past is like in you and with you still. My brain still the the hardwiring of like being scared and afraid and ashamed like is still all there and unlearning that is taking time. Meanwhile, like your parent, my parents still exist, still believe these things. We're on text message threads together. Like they're sending me, you know, sermons of the week and we're learning boundaries. And so trying to like minimize that harm, realize like, hey, we just believe fundamentally different things. We love each other, but and we can have fun together. That's been kind of a new discovery. Like, hey, when we get together, let's not talk about how much you fucked me up let's like sing karaoke together or like let's let's change the time so we're all learning in real time those boundaries hi i'm rachel hollis and this is my podcast i spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching youtube videos and trying to find out as much as i can about the world around me And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Let's just start with who you are. Who are you? Oh, Zach wow. Simon. Tell that, us your story. That cuts to the core. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? I'm uh, a comedian and writer who grew up in Southern Virginia. Uh, my dad was a pastor. Oh, my, my God. Mom. My dad was a pastor. You're lying. No, I swear. Wait. PK. That's incredible. What church? Denomination. Uh, it was Southern Baptist. Okay. Um, yeah. I was Pentecostal, though. <laughs> oh, so, okay. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, y'all, yeah, do, yeah. y'all do the voices and yeah. things. Yeah. Yep. I'll start speaking in tongues That's later. incredible. Another pastor's kid. Yeah. Um, so plenty of, you know, religious trauma for me. Oh, same. Uh, same, same. <laughs> that I've come out of. And then... Um, yeah, I came into my own, I think, in college. And then I've lived in Chicago and now New York, where I do comedy and uh, writing, trying to make people laugh. Yeah. I say I um, I want to create queer anti-capitalist stories that delight and devastate. <laughs> this is a small ask. Just, <laughs> just a, a small, little tiny thing. little. That's my, like, I had to do a grant application once. And I was like, that's my mission yeah, statement. Yeah, like, that's let me cool. Because I do like making people laugh, but I like... Poking you, them yeah. a little bit too. Are you doing currently doing stand up or do you do stand up as part of your okay? Yeah, I do okay. stand up. So I did um I perform here in New York. I just did the late late show with James Corden back That's in incredible. October. Yeah, it was really fun. How'd you feel about it? I was so nervous. Were you? I mean, yeah, I would like be first too. Time, yeah. But I approached it as much as I could with like, okay, let's see if you got it. Let's yeah. see if you can pull it off. Yeah. And so did day you? Of, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I was very proud. So What'd like, you wear? Let's do another one. So a friend of mine turned me on to this designer from Detroit named Dosefes, D-O-S underscore J-E-F-E-S. He takes just like recycled Hanes sweatshirts and puts these like felt designs on them. Ooh. I almost wore it today. Oh. Uh, but he creates these like one of a kind things they drop on Sunday. So I wore this like Hanes sweatshirt that had the sun on it and like felt it just had a lot of like joy. And then it's a surprise when I'm a little dark. 
and some white tennis shoes I bought the day of nice. um, to make sure they were clean and some hand-me-down pants from a friend of mine. <laughs> I like that you said to make sure they were clean. I know. I, it's I, true, I walk though, through if you anything. care about white sneakers, yep. which I do. Like I have the ones I'm wearing I love and I'm like, I'm going to have to get a new pair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> you, could, you could try, but it's not the no. same thing. The pants were, my friend's been like bulking up and so none of his pants fit. And he's like, like, do you want these? And they all fit perfectly. Perfect. I hate clothes shopping. So yeah. he gave me just like a box of 10 new pairs of pants. And yeah. that's all I wear now. You're like, I'll take this. Yes, Thank of you. course. Thank you very much. <laughs> so James Corden, that's a big deal. It was so fun. Yeah. He was so nice. Jamie Lee Curtis was the guest. I love her. She's and an I angel. feel like she is having this amazing moment where yep. she's like, I'm just going to say whatever I want. Right, right. And did you see that bit of hers where she's talking about, can you two perform at 3 p.m.? Can you do a matinee? Oh, yes. It's like so, Bono. Or she wants yeah, you two yeah, to play at like, matinee. She's like, Coldplay, do a matinee. You As two. someone who performs literally at midnight, 1 a.m. to people, I'm I, like, let's bring let's bring this to the daylight. On. Bring things yes. out. What are we hiding? I do not. Look, I, I have. <laughs> there's a concert I'm going to on Thursday. Okay. And I've wanted to see. It's El King. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Know, I've wanted to see her sorry, perform Al. for. No, it's okay. I've wanted to see her perform forever. Like I've been waiting for her to come to Austin because I just really dig her, and I just know it's going to be an amazing show. And it starts at eight, which means she's going on at like nine fifteen. Yeah. And I'm just who am I? I would be such a better fan of music. I'm a massive fan of music, but I could take it to the next level if people would just. Give me like a 5.30 p.m. start. That is what, do two shows. Oh, five. Oh, you want the, you want the senior. I want the, the I early. want a senior discount. But also then you'll be in the worst audience. No offense. True. But as someone who's done like okay. six, seven o'clock comedy right. shows, okay. those are the people who, yeah. no offense, like, oh, let's get this out of the way. So oh, go to bed. Right. You're like okay. with, the, there's an energy okay. then to the 930. Yeah. I need to just do a, an espresso shot at like 5 p.m. Oh, yes. Keep espresso myself martini. awake. You can- God, so good. It's my favorite. <laughs> those will cause problems. I almost got one. There's a Starbucks reserve near where I had a show and I almost got one. Thank God they were closed. It was like 11 PM. I was like, I should not be doing Yeah. You're like, this is not, this is not a good idea for me. (laughs) How did you get into doing stand up? Cause it's such a unique world. Oh, I know. Just mostly that, that, that trauma response probably. No, I always, um, I was a little goofball in school, like class clown vibes, I think. And then, um, in college, I there was a senior who was making people laugh, did sketch and improv, and I was like, I want to be him. And then I did improv for like seven years before realizing like, oh, I've never like written a joke or <laughs> there's no record oh, of any of this yeah. happening. So I switched to stand up. I'm like, okay, let me like make a career out of this. Let me tell some jokes. Let me write this down. And then that's been six years now in New York. What is your approach to writing those jokes? Are you like an everyday writer? Are you, how does it, how does it work for you? I feel like it's chaotic. I wish I had more discipline. I do feel like the trick is inspiration can happen at any moment. So you just need to like jot down some version of the idea like, oh, this thing happened or that's kind of interesting. Let me make a little note of that and then have time where you sit down and expand on that idea. There are also people who like write on stage where you're just like, okay, let me try this. Let me riff it. Oh, wow. Um, Because I have, I've gone back and forth of whether like you script it and then memorize it or you just like, keep it up here and then it sort of comes out whatever's natural. Yeah. Cause with, I mean, you've written books and you kind of, you want the voice to be you as much as you can. And so it's something I found is when I read an essay back, I can hear like, Oh, that doesn't sound true. Yeah. That doesn't sound like totally me. I was trying to be something else, but yeah, I could probably be more disciplined in my, in my joke writing. I know Seinfeld's like, right. Yes. Day, that's what, that's exactly down. what I was yeah. referencing. And I'm kind of like, 
okay. Yeah. If, I think if I had a deadline, if someone was like, hey, your special's coming out, X, Y, Z. You have to. to work. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm in Columbus this weekend, so I'm sure I'll like try to put some new material in there. But you How can long also, is your set? They can vary. So a headlining set's like about an hour. Um, have you done a full hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did. Sorry, that's such a dumb question. But no, like, oh, cool. it's a good one. I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2019. And so that was like an hour long, like Rad. emotional experience. <laughs> um, but I feel like sometimes I lean on my charm to get away because <laughs> I can like crowd work with people. Yes. And then I don't have to like have 10 minutes of jokes. Mm-hmm. I can just riff off of you for yes. 10 minutes. <laughs> but sometimes I think there is a magic not even sometimes I love the magic of that as someone who stands on stage and speaks, I'm not Mm -hmm. doing comedy, but what I love about working with the audience is that that experience is unique to that night and that night only because it will never be recreated because, you know, Pam's not going to be here again. And she was the one who led you down this path, which I think is so cool. Yeah. It also, I think as a speaker, if you're, if you're willing to do that, it's leaping without a net. It's you trusting mm-hmm. yourself that like, I can make this entertaining for you guys, even if it's not, you know, even if I don't have a plan. Oh, hundred percent. And then there's something funny if it fails too. You right. like literally can't lose. You're like, right. I'm trying to be funny. And if it doesn't work, I say it doesn't work. And then they laugh at that. Cause what's funnier and more human than like failure. Right. Like, oh, the comedian failed. Right. That's hilarious. Right. Or you can make it funny. Do you start with like, t- let's pretend you're going to go do stand up later tonight Uh-oh. and you have like a joke. No, I don't want you to like do it, <laughs> but I'm basically well, wondering well. if you're trying to work something through, yeah. how, what does that look like for you? You, you tweak it in like 20 different cities and then it becomes something funny. Some version of that. I hope, yeah. So I'm, that's <laughs> very, a very cheesy joke I have right now, but it's kind of fun and goofy. It started as like a tweet. I was like, I want to write for Wheel of Fortune. Like some of my friends want to write for like these TV shows that are like intense and you're pushing the form. I want to go in at like noon and say, hmm, finding a parking space and then leave for the day. Like that's all you have to write. And like around the Jeopardy's next door, like right. working for hours right. on like some ancient right. pot. Right, you're like and I before just go and, and after. Yes, exactly. Yes. Well, those are the hard days, the yes. before and after days. <laughs> then you got to really think. But really I'm like, that's so like goofy. It got a couple likes online. And so I've said it on stage like, Maybe twice now. It's it's you got to find the exact words. Yeah. Like comedy is is your. I think I'm a word pilot. Like yeah. you have to say the exact kind of the exact words sometimes to make something funny. Like an idea can be funny, but to structure it so that it's performed over time and results in a laughter response that makes me sound like a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> but no, there totally. is a science to it. Well, and also being receptive to it in that moment. So yeah. as a speaker, I pride myself on it being a different experience every single time. But mm-hmm. there are stories that I've told a thousand times on stage that are, I know exactly the laugh this is going to get. Yep. But what I have found is interesting is that the things that I didn't think were that funny, like that maybe during a performance, I just sort of, it was a throwaway. I just kind of like said it and they died. And I was like, oh, that's a thing. And then yeah. the next night you try it again it. and mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, you really find that funny. Like when we, we were on tour uh, several months ago and there was some story I was telling, oh, I was talking about standing up and I stood up, but like I accidentally sort of humped the air when I stood up. <laughs> Not on part, I was just like standing up and people died. And I was like, 
And then they did That's it again. So funny. And I was like, why is this funny? I don't know. Do you remember this? It's but such literally, a rich visual. Every, like just I can see you stand. Oh, okay. Every you, city. Season the day. Every city. <laughs> that joke kill. I mean, it did not matter where we were. Right, right, People right. thought that was hilarious. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this is what comedians do. Like oh, you kind of accidentally throw something out yes, yes. and just test it. And then you're like, wow, I don't know why that is funny to you, but I'll keep going. hundred percent. Yeah. If you find it's such a and that the, I think the artist then is the person that keeps it in and remembers mm. it. Or that's like the power and the discipline and the skill. It's like, right. Oh, that works. Let me keep it. Right. And you have some record and memory of it. Oh, it's fun when stuff doesn't work. Okay. I so sometimes tell us about I'm kind of twisted. Well, if a joke like always works and then one night it doesn't, <gasps> there's something like powerful about that silence and just Ooh. like sitting. And I'll even ask people, I was like, Did you hear Wait, me? Why didn't you laugh? <laughs> yeah. Cause then. You can figure, like, that's unique. Yeah. Everybody laughing, like, okay, fine. But, like, is there something, did I use a different word? Is there someone in the room, did something happen before I got here? Right. Because when you do, like, a showcase, like, you're one of six comics. Like, maybe someone earlier told a similar joke. Maybe there's someone in the room that's been established as, like, that would have a response to X, Y, Z. Oh, wow. Like, there's a French person. I'm telling a French joke, and the audience is like, there's a Oh, Pierre's over there. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. But I love the idea of being super in the moment. Some comics are like, I'm doing my material. The audience is just there. I'm, like, very – I probably get it from my mom. She's a server at Red Lobster, and she talks to all of her tables. And I, like, love talking to people. Yes. And so I try to make it as in the moment as possible. Yeah. Last night I had – uh, crowd. I started a new weekly show and I took like a month off and I came back and it was right. We only got like 10 people out, but I was like, I'm going to give these 10 people show of the their best. life. Yeah. The show of like their fold life. them all in. Yeah. And it's, that's, yeah, that's why I love live performing. Otherwise you just like write books and make people laugh like on their own time. But if yes. you're in the room with the yeah. people, you have to acknowledge, oh, the lights are funny. Oh, there's a fly buzzing around. Like yeah. we're all alive and slowly dying together at the same time. Let's celebrate that. (laughs) Honestly, it's why I keep, like we did a tour several months ago. We're going to do another one, which I haven't said publicly, but I guess I will. We're going to do another (gasps) one. Exclusive. Exclusive. Right now. This episode, we're going to do another tour this summer because as a writer, there's no better testing ground for me than to be able to try stories out and jokes out in person. And I think the other piece that I learned in writing and did you do your own audiobook? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Was your throat so sore? I I was like I had a sore throat when I came in. Oh no. And the funniest thing you've probably talked about before is the pillow on your belly. Yes, yeah, so that they can't hear the <laughs> the belly it is, noises. It's humbling how Much noisy your, your stomach is. Yeah. And we're never listening to it until you're like in a room and quiet like, by yourself. Rah, and like, rah, I'm like, oh, and this it's is so, so embarrassing. And then the audio tech is just We'll take that again. We'll just go again. <laughs> Instead we'll go of like, again. you weirdo. Yeah, I remember like pressing I the know. pillow into my stomach. Like, <laughs> shut up, body. It's so, I mean, you could. there's kind of like a metaphor about that. Yeah. Well, we're so disconnected, not listening to our body. Right. Our bodies are yelling at right. us and we're not listening right. until we're reading our audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> but reading the audiobook actually helped me a ton as a writer because when yeah. I would read the audiobook, I would be like, oh, I don't like how this, I don't like how I wrote mm. that sentence. Mm. And so what I've learned, if you do another one, after I feel, after I've gone through a couple rounds of edits and I feel really good, I'll do an entire edit that I read it out loud. Smart. Because I want it to be great both in the written word, but also in audiobook because that's how so many people listen. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees. Period. Yep. That means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. The other thing I've been thinking about for second book that I'm learning now is sort of, oh, all this is part of it, like getting to have a platform to talk about XYZ. Yeah. So it's like, oh, not just like, what are the funny ideas you want to put in a book? But like, oh, when you when the spotlight's on you for a moment, what are the ideas yeah. you want to talk about next yes. and things you want to expound on? Is it yeah. just like, oh, here's a funny story about my family or is it something like bigger? Oh. Well, I heard uh, Glennon Doyle say once, or who she wrote about in her book, but she's like, this is the only, writing is the only medium where they make you explain the art that you already did. So she's like, if you're an artist, they're not like, mm, tell us yes. what you, what this painting means. To yes. you. She's like, I literally just wrote what this means. Yes. Like, if you want to know what I think, Buy it's right it here. Yes. Like, I did it. Read it. But you then have to go talk about the thing you already talked about. Right, no about. one's taking Van Gogh to the side and be like, oh, what did you Yeah, mean? what was this? Yes. What was the intention? You're like, oh, That God. is funny. Yeah. Why do we expect? I don't know. And writers are usually, I mean, you're very personable, but like. But not. <laughs> often oh. the best writers are the most, it's a different skill. It really is. To be able is. to sit alone and craft these words. Really and then be in public and sort of present yourself. Well, and to do a podcast where so many people will pitch writers to us, mm -hmm. which I, I'm a huge, I read constantly. I love it, but I have learned the hard way that you can write beautiful prose and have no idea how to carry a conversation for 45 yes, minutes. 100%. And it's like, uh, <laughs> as the person interview, you're like, oh my gosh, we'll, we'll know as soon as someone walks out, we're like, all right, well, we're going to edit that. No, we're going to take like an hour and a half. Don't do it to me. No, Keep never. Me you're already Keep in. Me in the you're pod. great. You're perfect. Oh, you're oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay, you just good. know how to have. Speaking of Jesus Christ, let's oh, talk about Lord. religious trauma. <laughs> oh my God. Can we go there? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you're, well, what are, what are you? I'm, I would say I'm very spiritual. Okay. I would not call myself religious anymore. Okay. I just want to censor myself. Yeah. No, so I don't you're not going to offend. You could be host. whoever you are. Yeah. I grew up very Christian and my baggage is that like my dad had this intense experience where he got saved. Like he mm. heard the voice of God. Oh, wow. And so he would tell me that as a kid and I'd be like, well, I'm not hearing the voice of God. Like, <laughs> I'm going to hell. And where's the voice of God? I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer. Yeah. Like I had that memorized. And then it wasn't until college when I started to like step into my own 
the the real version is like a friend of mine died and I was like looking at his body and was like, oh, this is why religion exists, like to make this hurt less. Yeah. Like, and so then I was like, it's a big shift. I went from straight meat eating conservative to queer vegetarian atheist. <laughs> I felt like kind of overnight. And then it's been the past decade kind of not realizing it's not just a switch mm-hmm. that the past is like in you and with you still my brain still the the hardwiring of like being scared and afraid and ashamed like is still all there and unlearning that is taking time meanwhile like your parent my parents still exist still believe these things we're on text message threads together like they're sending me you know sermons of the week and we're learning boundaries and so trying to like minimize that harm realize like, hey, we just believe fundamentally different things. We love each other, but, and we can have fun together. That's been kind of a new discovery. Like, hey, when we get together, let's not talk about how much you fucked me up. Let's like sing karaoke together or like, let's, let's change the time. So we're all learning in real time, those boundaries. But for me, then religiously, I'm getting to a point where I feel like the universe is the dead name of God sometimes absolutely. That people are just like, give it up to the universe. And that's probably what people used to call God. Yeah. And surrendering to something like I have a ton of in my control. I'm an atheist. I'm a secular humanist, but I do surrender and sort of hope that they're the positive generative forces of the universe will create good things that there absolutely. is some sort of karma. My pitch for the afterlife, if we get to just make it up, yeah. which, I, which is what everyone yeah. has done throughout history yeah. is that, God is just a random, one of us is randomly God in the afterlife. That's okay. like my fun new idea. That this way, is like, a book though. Oh, that, is no, it? no, 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 okay. no. I mean, this is a book you it should write. Exists? No, oh, oh, oh. I've never that heard of fun. this. That's oh. a sick idea. Maybe it's like, maybe it's fiction or something. Well, like, there are some religions that actually believe you get to be a God, right? Right, right, right. Right, yeah, right. okay. This would be one God who's going to judge everybody, but we don't know who it is. But it's like Joe. It's Joe. Okay. So could, then you're going to treat Joe really nice. Or you'll right. be, like, oh, be like, Joe's not going to be God. There's no way Joe's going to be God. Dude, and this Joe's is a God. really funny idea. <laughs> Maybe it's a stand-up bit. It's something. Or a book or a movie. Yeah, like how would you, how would, if we all discovered that one random person was God in the next life, yep. how are we treating that person? Right. Hopefully well. Depends or, on the person probably. Oh, I know. Who would be the worst person? Oh. And I don't mean politically, <laughs> but like who would be the worst person that to you're like, God. they get to be God next time? Well, I last night on the show, I mentioned this to the audience. And this one lady was like, well, I was like, what would you do if you were God? And she was like, I'd let everyone in. And we're like, you're going to let everyone into heaven? Like, what about all these people? And she's like, uh, yeah, I guess everybody. So maybe the worst is somebody who just lets everybody in. Right. There's no discernment. Or yes. <laughs> or someone who doesn't, isn't paying attention or is too mean. Right. You don't want too many people right. to go. I'm assuming in this world there's a heaven and hell. Okay. But there could be okay. a lot of different rooms maybe or something. Imagine though that like God in the next life is like a influencer bro. No. Yes. You know what I mean? Like who would be <laughs> the worst? Welcome to heaven, brother. <laughs> What's up, bro? <laughs> yes, it's going to be Liddy. Like they're super excited to go to Burning Man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> if heaven is is Burning Man... <laughs> Send me to hell. Like, Jesus Christ. I don't want... <laughs> if heaven burning is burning man, man. I mean, yeah, I guess hell oh is gosh. kind of burning yeah, right, men right, right. and yeah. women and okay. everybody. We got it. Yeah, we, we're, <laughs> we've, found a, we've found a loophole there. What is your, what's your religious vibes? Or did anything I say you're like wrong? No, no. Or, oh, my gosh. No, 100%. 
totally aligned. Um, yeah, pastor's kid in a really very, very conservative, Southern-minded ideology. Growing up as a girl, you should be pretty. You should be seen but not heard. You should be small. Men mm-hmm. are always right. They always know all the answers of the leaders of the family. And that sort of my underlying thing was that what would make me valuable was to get married and have babies because that's what the women in my culture did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it took a long time to work through that and kind of strip away the parts. And I think my relationship with God has always been very strong. So I do believe in God. I believe in source and and universe. I think it's all the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that it's always been all the same thing, but religions call it by different names. But where I understand that that sort of took a negative route for me was through religion and was through church. So my relationship with God, I feel like has always been very pure, but it has been uh, tainted by Mm -hmm. church because frankly, church is created by humans and humans are flawed and humans are flawed, especially when they come into access to power and money, which churches have always been, at least in my religion everything was interpreted by a pastor who stood on stage. So whatever like Bill believed this <laughs> passage meant is what you then were supposed to believe. And it wasn't ever question this or think through this. I mean, I think a God that created all of this, if you believe that there is a God who created all of these things, that God can handle your questions. But the religion I grew up in said, you're not allowed to ask anything. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to disagree. Mm-hmm. You just blindly accept these things as true. And it just, I don't know, I think just getting older, growing up, like becoming an adult, it was like, what? Like this doesn't make, this is, this makes zero sense. Mm. And you're cherry picking the parts of the Bible that you believe, like these things are definitely true, but we're just going to ignore the part of the Bible that talks about slavery. We're going to ignore the part of the Bible that talks about oppressing women. We're going to ignore all of these things Mm -hmm. because that's not cute. And say that you've got to believe it all, but you're not including it all in the conversation. And I'm sorry, I just got on a soapbox. No, it flashed uh, me back to the dinner table right. where I was with my dad giving little sermons to me. Yeah, yes. But it makes, it's something you said about questioning. I saw a tweet that was like, evangelicals are people who don't ask questions or don't have any questions. Right. And I'm right. like, it's, yeah, what an easy way to live life to sort of know the answer to everything. Yeah, and the answer for every person. Oh, yeah. Everywhere in right. the whole world. right. I remember being a little girl. So my dad was a pastor and my granddad was a pastor. So this was, oh, wow. It was Do you deep. have siblings that became, or oh, did you no, buck? No, the, no. Well, you're also, this is a sort of ministry. Yeah. This is a sort yeah, of like I do see similarities, especially when I was speaking a lot more on stage. I was like, oh, I'm preaching. It's just yeah. not religious. Mm-hmm. It's just a different kind of thing. And I definitely learned how to be a speak. I mean, you want to see someone get people fired up, go to a Pentecostal church on a <laughs> Sunday though. Like that was how I learned yeah. to do that. And maybe to some extent, like you, you saw people on stage teaching and telling stories. I remember being impressed with like, oh, how is this pastor like putting together a Bible story and a funny anecdote yes. and then bringing it home at the end? 
Man, and- <laughs> yes, this is the skill where you're like, they'll start out, they'll be like, the other day I was at the in and out and you're like, how is this going to turn into a conversation about Leviticus? But they will find a and way. The animals, is it animal sauce and or oh, was animal it style? And yes. the animal style. Exactly. The, that's that's the right. that's the body. Right. That's the sinful God. nature of man. This is out. one of the amazing <laughs> things about TikTok is the people who do like religious. Like they're making fun of religious, but oh, you God. would only yes. understand it if you grew up in a church. hundred percent. There was one I saw this young woman. I wish I knew her handle. I don't, but she was doing her version of a, um, a, a youth pastor, mm. which is a very specific thing of how a youth pastor would turn any trending topic for teenagers into a sermon. And she was doing, I'm going to butcher this, but it was like um, when Taylor Swift came out with, Antihero. Yeah. So she's like, you know what I'm thinking about though? It's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. And I just think about Taylor. She's like, it was so fucking just funny. Taylor, the Lord put yeah, Taylor on my heart. Lord just thinking about her. It's just like, how many of us in this room mm-hmm. need to remember God's just here? He is here. Yes. And you are not saying, I'm the problem, Lord. It's me. And I was like, yes. And also somehow triggering to right. my 13 year old. Oh, self. hilarious. Yeah. And she's been through errors, Taylor. I know. Just like our earth's I been know. through errors. And your yes. time with God is yes. an error. Yes. Error. Uh. And when she also, jumps below the water, have you has that gone on ground? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. No. From is her tour, from- she like jumps and she swims oh, she? or something oh, and then okay. climbs up a ladder. It's sure it's, it, you'll see it on yeah. TikTok now, yeah. probably. Well, Taylor and I have no shade on Taylor because I love her, but she does always she does like to take a little inspiration from Beyonce and then sort of do her. Oh, got it, got it, got Beyonce it. was the first person I know of who did water on stage. Oh, gotcha, Whatever, gotcha, gotcha. Fine. That's the maybe I think in heaven. Beyonce's God. Oh my God. Beyonce's God now. Beyonce's God now. Right? Like we're already in the world. We're already there. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way, as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. 
Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What was it, and tell me if this is too heavy of a question, oh, but no, what was it like coming out to, yeah, get get your Dunkin'? Whatever this, it was yeah. Dunkin' and I put water in it. Yeah. it welcome to trash. Yeah, this I love it. I Same, by the way. What was it like coming out to your parents? Oh, very tent- contentious. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways coming out as atheist was, or no, actually coming out as gay was harder for them than atheist. Oh, I'm like, wow. atheist, I'm already going to hell. Right. What do you have? What do you care? I know, yeah. but it just resonate or it reminds me like oh there's such a like campaign against gay really? people yeah. from anita yeah. bryant they, they were just raised in that world like homosexuality is a sin was their like refrain so i never even consider i never even indulged like queer desire till college i saw mm-hmm. like cute guys playing volleyball and i was like oh do i want to look like you or or be with you Make like with you. both yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> did you know when you were younger or you just didn't no yeah i never really yeah. yeah i think it just was so ingrained that that just wasn't on the table yeah. that it took getting out of that environment getting to college having like the trauma of death and then i'm like let me start and so i came out to I thought I had already done it because my mom kind of cryptically was like, I love you no matter what. I love you unconditionally. I was like, oh, she gets it. Yeah, she knows. And so my senior year of college, I, I was first in my family to go to college, got into Princeton. Very lucky. Okay. I know. Okay, bitch. You know, she's go smart. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to speak at graduation. Not like for good grades. I was like in the middle of the pack, but there were like funny speeches. Mm. And so my opening line was like, when I got into Princeton, my mom warned me it was a liberalizing, heathenizing institution, but I haven't changed at all. I came here a straight, meat-eating conservative, and tomorrow I'll graduate a gay vegetarian atheist. <laughs> and I showed my mom the speech they drove up from Virginia the night before, and she's like, so you're gay? And I was like, I thought you knew. And oh. she's like, can we not make this the discussion of the weekend? Because they'd all mm. come there. I know. So it was sort of you thought this it was weird be middle this, like, beautiful yeah like yeah. oh that's so exciting like our son and to get to merge like my princeton family my like yeah. chosen friends and my like my biological family and then it was sort of like so i ended up changing it to feminist to oh. sort of like not rock the boat too much but that, it was sort how did of it feel to change it i think it felt they were making it feel like i was doing something wrong and it was wrapped up in honoring your parents somehow mm-hmm. like was it disrespectful of me to sort of share that part of myself in that moment so publicly in front of like the 30,000 people and all their parents and everything was was some part of that like wrong of me to not I mean I thought I genuinely thought they kind of knew but also I knew it'd be like a little provocative the line yeah. is like kind of poking fun at my family yeah and then the speech is about Princeton being sort of like a family. Mm. And I'm like, oh, there's not, there's a, 
we all love each other, our class, like a brother or sister. Some of us also have sex with each other, but mostly <laughs> it's, you know, a brother sister thing. But it definitely didn't feel, yeah, you want, it was just right in the middle. It felt like you could have been like, yes, I love you, or like, no, we're going home tomorrow. Yeah. But it was kind of like this weird middle. Can we not make this the discussion? It's yes. like, so that's been sort of the history of our relationship, this weird negotiation of like, okay, how much are you going to celebrate me? Or like, how much of me should I expect you to celebrate? Yeah. Do I need to tell you like graphic stories of my sexcapades and should, should, and do I want you to be interested in that? Yeah. Or yeah. So I've, I've debated my friends who've like, this is a little darker, but when someone tells me that like a parent has passed away or something, I'm like, oh, so they can't, there's some finality to that and there's no more harm that they can cause. So part of me is like, should I have cut my parents off completely? Like, oh, you're not fully supporting me? Or is there something beautiful about love and like trying to change them? Because they've definitely over the past 10 years evolved a little. I'm like going home, I'm mentioning sort of the names of lovers and like tongues are getting bitten. But like, I think they're learning like, oh, we don't get to see our kid if we're too bigoted. So let's keep a little bit of that to ourselves. Yeah. Um, And I think it's a lot easier said than done. Like, I'm just going to cut off my parents because that's, that's your foundation. And we are wired to want to please them and want them to approve of us. Mm -hmm. And especially if it's something that you weren't able to explore until you were essentially an adult. Right. To sit in the tension of that, I think is really mature. Mm. because so few people for like both of you for you and for them to like I wish that we could snap our fingers and every parent was just like oh I love and accept you for who you are and not only that but I want to celebrate the hell out of this because it's so cool Mm. Uh, because showing up as another version of yourself I have um, my best friends are two women who are married to each other and both of them worked at our church. Uh, one of them was a pastor at our church. And I think she would probably identify very similarly to you. I mean, she dated men. I literally don't think it ever occurred to her that she was gay because it wasn't even allowed. Mm-hmm. And then it was like Sammy and, and Britt, their best friends, their best friends, their best friends. And I remember <laughs> being like, Hmm. Uh, and I remember we were on a road trip once and Sammy wasn't with us and I didn't know Sammy as well. And so I was like, Sammy's gay though. Right. And I just stupidly, I thought we went to a church that was a lot more open and inclusive than it actually was. But immediately Britt was like, no, 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 no. Mm. Now, now, unbeknownst to me, they had been making out for a while <laughs> and grappling with that, but she was so adamant. I'm like, just seeing you no, like in between them, like, y'all are no, just friends. Right. Right. And they're like, no, I knew Sammy was gay. I was like, she's gay. And I didn't, I was like, totally, of course she's gay. Like, right. she's my friend who's gay. Who cares? And Britt was like, no, no, nope, nope, no, 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 no. She was so adamant. And I was like, and that was the first time that I was like, oh, you guys are. But I mean, their relationship is so beautiful Mm. and so wonderful, but it was to come out meant both of them lost their jobs. Like they lost their church community completely. Mm. And if you are in a church, as you know, you have a community of people, like at any moment you call someone and be like, let's have a barbecue, let's go get coffee, whatever. I would say 75% of those people just immediately were done with them. It was a massive choice to 
excommunicate that. And mm -hmm. I think they've both done a really beautiful job of holding tension of the people. Like if people were just like assholes, they were like, fuck you very much. Like we're moving on. But if people are like, I love you, but I don't know how to do this. They really were so graceful with everyone kind of taking like their family, their parents. And it's been really cool to watch that evolution. It's not fast, mm -mm. but it has been really beautiful to watch it unfold. The tension's the perfect word. And that I have to remind myself, it may be the wrong language, but I think my parents are some subversion of brainwashed or like their bodies are telling them one thing and then the talk track they're getting from the media they consume is telling them another. And have been getting probably for a very long time. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's ramped up. I think the, the saddest thing I think about is like, oh, this weird upbringing that I've had that feels like it's in the past. It's like, oh no, this is very Millions present in the soil. Yes. Their kids today probably thinking they're going to hell right. and exploring their identity. Hopefully they're getting reached by like media and messages are getting to them that they're in little mini cults and yeah. that there's a world out there to love and support them. But I, I do worry about the little empires that little families are creating and communities. Yeah. It's my favorite thing about TikTok, as silly as mm. it sounds. I remember when it first came out and I really, I mean, it was COVID. So I just like most people would just consume it. Cause I was like, there's nothing else to do except stay at home and be afraid. And I remember how, like just, I could cry at how much queer content I was seeing because when I was growing up, if you were a teenager and you were questioning at all, you had no access to that. And now mm -hmm. you could open your phone and just see every kind of person everywhere in the world, all telling their stories. And my, um, I've said this before on the show, but my oldest son is 16 and he's gay. And I have known he was gay since forever. He was my oldest. He was my first baby. So I had no like frame of reference, but I was like, you know, when he was like three and he would be like, I, I want to, well, like he would fully dress up in my clothes and my high heels and he would want to put lipstick on. He's going to kill me. But you want to put <laughs> lipstick on. I actually he probably doesn't care. He want to put lipstick on. And I was like, Ah, of course. Why? Just out mm -hmm. of curiosity. And he was like, oh, I just, I want to see how it feels on my lips. Like he just was oh. always, I like, I was like, well, maybe he'll like a girl, but it just didn't seem like he would. And I never assumed he'd actually come out. Cause I just like, I knew his dad knew all our friends knew. We never really talked about it, but like we knew. And then during COVID he came into my room. I was reading. He came in and he was like, and then he walked back out and then Aww. he came back in again and he did it again. And I was like, babe, what's going on? And he was like, I, I, and he's very articulate. So I'd never seen him like at a loss for words. And he was like, I'm gay. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I love, yeah. Like I had read so much. <laughs> I only wanted him to be met with like so much joy and like honoring who he was and his courage to say his truth. And I was like, yes, la 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 la. And also I totally know. And he was like, what? How do you know? I'm like, I don't know. I'm your mom. Like I just know. And he started bawling and he's Aww. not an emotive human. So I was like, what's happening? What's going on? And he was like, well, I knew you'd be like, cool, but I just, I didn't know for sure. And it was such a beautiful moment. And then I put him on text with like all of our gay friends 
and they all got a new one. I was like, they were dying. They were celebrating. It was so beautiful. And later we were talking about that moment. And I said, well, why, you know, I just kind of assumed, you know, one day you'd show up with your boyfriend and it would just be what it was. And he said, oh, I wanted a story because on TikTok, he was 14 when this happened. He's live streaming the whole thing. Yeah. Mom. No, he said, I wanted someday if someone asked me, how did you come mm. out? I wanted to be able to tell a story about it. And if I wanted to tell that story, I had to have the courage to make that story happen. I know Ooh. he's 14. He's chills. Wow. Wow. He's, wow. A good, he's a good human. But I love TikTok for that reason. Oh, 100%. It's... um. This reminds me of, well, on the other side of things. Yes. I wanted to be in high school a cheerleader. Yes. Didn't know his career till college, but, you know, yeah. left some clues along right, right. the way. Well, there was some <laughs> So I remember coming home, or I went to auditions, and then I got a call back. I was, like, the only, I was the only guy there and the only uh, white person, too. I went to, like, a mostly black high school. And they were like, oh, you can be the voice. They wanted me to, like, project, and I wasn't oh, as... Yeah flexible or like coordinated and I was sweating. It was embarrassing. Aggressive. Yes, exactly. I love a male cheerleader, by the way. We're the best. We. I was never one. No, I don't get to be one. I come home and I tell my dad and he's like, no, it was very like the Bible says. I'm like, the Bible, the Bible doesn't talk about cheerleading. Yeah. Cheerleaders. <laughs> like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes, exactly. The- <laughs> it was written on the wall. It's hot in here or something. <laughs> um, so I, that was. The er- way that religious joke just went so deep and there are 10 people cackling right now and everyone else is like I don't get it <laughs> Who is that? I got you yeah but it's beautiful to hear your story with your son as yeah. sort of the yeah the flip yeah 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 and yeah. still like attention with my parents is figuring out like they think like you had a great childhood because their parents like were alcoholics and beat them right. and they grew up in poverty so right. you had food you had clothes we loved you and for so it's tricky to sort of honor that like yes you were good parents in lots of ways but this whole religion thing did like mess me up in a certain way and how do we want to keep replaying that over and over and over again or move on and like I said do karaoke yeah like yeah. kind of well yeah new I think that there is a a real freedom and beauty in like we are going to have this kind of relationship we're never going to be able to navigate those things or unpack those things in a way that's healthy for you so if you so want them in your life better to just sort of keep it surface level and do fun things and like see the good parts in them and if it's possible let those other things go because the unearthing of them would be more traumatic for you than healing mm, mm. Or I think we also can get to points in our lives or even seasons where we're like, you know what? I'm working through a lot of shit in therapy right now. And I can't bring you into my life in any way because the stuff I'm working through is the stuff you gave me. Mm. You know? Thanks, mom and dad. (laughs) Merry Christmas. It is funny, though. We as humans do this, not just with our parents, but I think in romantic relationships where you go, you know, they had these hard childhoods. So like, as long as we don't do that, we're good because my parents, same. They both had awful childhood and I can look at them and I've done enough therapy to understand why they are the way they are mm-hmm. and and honor like where they came from and how hard that must've been. But in their minds, as long as it wasn't that childhood, it was a good one, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. same as you, like, mm-hmm. okay, th- I didn't have this, so it was good. And I do think they did the best that they could but we're still allowed to say that their best sucked. 
that that wasn't the right way to do anything. And yeah, you kept me alive and you kept food on the table and, you know, the rent was always paid. But beyond that, this was, this was, there was trauma here. As a parent, do you worry that it's inevitable how that you'll 100%. miss? <laughs> I don't worry though, to be honest. There, uh, um, I find myself doing things and I'm like, well, that's going to scar her. Like, <laughs> especially my daughter, I'm trying so hard. I'm so conscious, but like, I'll say something and then think, fuck, are you going to talk about that in therapy someday? And I just sort of have given it up to like, I'm going to do my very best. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, you're for sure going to have to talk through things in therapy because that's what's going to make you interesting. Like mm. that's what you're going to write your book about is the stuff <laughs> that I did to you. But my I'm not giving you scars. I'm right. giving you books. Yeah, come on. I'm giving you content. But honestly, it's, it's like only doing the very best that – I can. And I, I know I've navigated some things well, and I'm positive that I've navigated others terribly. I mean, I do, I worry that I am so driven and that I've pushed myself so hard and I'm so proud of what I've built. And frankly, I got to do what I do because this is what supports my family. But then I worry a bit that maybe that gives them a complex of like, well, mm. this is how I have to achieve. Oh, wow. Moms, like I, they're in mom's shadow yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. And I never had that growing up. I, I remember years ago interviewing someone and her mom, her mom was like the mayor of their town. And I was like, what? My mom is the mayor. It sounds like an NBC sitcom. I mean, so, this Tuesday on Primetime, yeah. my mom is the mayor. But I just remember being like, whoa, what would, it was so far from my reality that I couldn't imagine what that must feel like. It's kind of a, ble I remember meeting a friend in college whose dad was like a famous surgeon or something and a blessing. Yeah. I feel like I've never, it's never been a wrist. My parents, my parents aren't cast in a big shadow. Right. Like it's never, and they've let me pursue whatever career. I never felt any pressure to go mm -hmm. in a certain discipline or do a certain thing. Like the idea that I'm doing, I imagine there might be some parent like, don't do comedy. You went to Princeton. Why are right. you telling jokes? Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why? But so, yeah, I guess there's good and, and bad in that yeah. way, but they'll be great. It sounds yeah. like you're a loving, wonderful mother. We'll see. I mean, there's still <laughs> a lot of time for me to screw up a lot of people in this scenario. <laughs> um, how, is the current work like how is the comedy how because you said you had a new show after taking some time off what's the like goal you've done Corden like you're working your way up this ladder like what's the you want to be on SNL you want to do a comedy tour and sell out stadiums you want a Netflix special like what's the goal oh great question I feel like so much there's so many decision makers and things there are things in my control and out of my control mm -hmm. I feel very lucky that like I'm a good prose writer. I'm a good stand up. I'm a good like TV script dramatic writer. And so I'm putting all the irons and all the fires and then like whatever does the best, I'll double down on that. Right. I feel good that I can be happy. If I have five books, that's a good life. Yeah. If I have five Netflix specials, that's a good life. Yeah. If I show run a great TV show and like tell a cool story and it's renewed for like three seasons or something yeah. like that could be a good creative life. As long as it all ladders up to sort of getting to be creative, telling awesome, like queer stories, telling, uh, making people laugh and think like, as doesn't matter totally what medium that happens in. Yeah. And I'm, I've learned enough that like, you never quite know what's going to happen. Like That's we'd be very so bored gods if we knew. If you told me now exactly what my life would look like, how my career would look, 
I might be less stressed and worried if I'm going to make it or how big my star is going to go. Yeah. But it'd be kind of like boring and sad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you're right. There's a blessing to because this sort of the entertainment path is a huge gamble. You're gambling on yourself. Am I going to be able to retire? Uh, will I make enough to sort of chug along? And for how long do I want to do this? Yeah. Um, when I've met people who know at like 13, they want to be doctors. I'm like, great, go be a doctor. I never like, I was always kind of like, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. But I always knew I wanted it to be creative. But I am, uh, yeah, I'm starting to think about second book. I'm totally in like, you know, but like you're like book promo mode. Like yes. my job right now is He's like talking yes. about the work. And I'm getting better about it, but it is hard to strike that right note of like earnest and but not too earnest, but self-deprecating, but funny, but also sincere. Like eventually just who I am will like come out about it. But yeah, I book don't know. It's hard the too. Because I feel like you you end up talking about the same six things mm. over and over and over. And you're just like, at, at some point it becomes rote or it stops like meaning anything. You're like, oh, I've just answered this same question yep. so yep. many times. And I feel weird. It's like, oh, that I tell you this story, but but that's in the book. And then when yeah. someone reads it, they're going to be like, oh, right. I just told the story right. that was in the book exactly. or whatever. So I'm trying to learn like. No, okay. So this is a great <laughs> point that I never say to people. And I, I stand by this forever. Lots of authors, because they're promoting a book. You are here promoting a book. We will show the cover because it's so cute. <laughs> is it um, hot in here? Or am I suffering for all eternity for the sins I committed on earth? Yes, perfect. <laughs> um, that they do that. They just talk about the book. And here's the, here's the key to you, to everyone else who's trying to promote a project. In, in my humble opinion, and I've sold a lot of books, if you go on to anything you are doing and just do your very best to serve the audience, like I'm going to make them laugh or I'm going to share a clever bit or I'm going to do something that's going to help their lives today, you don't ever have to talk about the book once. They will want to read the book. Interesting. And then that way you're not saying the same thing over and over a right, hundred right, right. times. Because my most hated... Oh, as an interviewer, I'm just going to process just this to bring this Zach. back to the book just in to the come book in chapter three. But I talk about this do in the book. That. They do that. And I understand why. Cause they're like, this is my only moment oh, and right, I got to right. get it in. But at the same time, it means that you have given the same interview on 10 different platforms. And if someone's interested, like, Oh, he's funny. I'm going to go listen to him on this podcast. You're mm. like, it's the same interview. Mm. But if you can have individual conversations, no matter where you go, suddenly uh, now I'm like, Oh, I love this guy. Yeah. I was listening yesterday. Uh, do you listen to Rogan? No. Okay. I Sorry, know people Joe. feel a lot of ways about Joe Rogan. And as a feminist, by the way, I will stand by the fact. I will. I'm gonna say he lives this. in Austin now, he right? Lives in yeah, Austin. y'all are neighbors, probably. I mean, hey, I think he lives in a different part of Austin <laughs> than I do. He might own like half of the city. He's a really good interviewer, and mm -hmm. I, I do, I, I think he's possibly one of the best interviewers in the podcast space because he's been doing it for like 20 years. He's like OG in the podcast space. But I was listening to him interview Luke Combs who's a country singer. Okay. And that the reason I dig his show is because that conversation is going to go everywhere. It's going to talk about hunting. It's going to talk about marriage and being a dad for the first time. It's going to be funny. They're going to talk about whiskey, literally all the things. They're going to mm -hmm. talk about it all. And I 
love country music actually, but I can't tell you a single Luke Combs song, even though he's huge right now. I know he's big, but I don't know his music. I listened to his interview and I'm like, I'm a fan. Wow. I, he never yeah, sang. Yeah. Yeah. He never did. I was just like, I like you. What if he's a bad singer? No, I think he's pretty good. Okay, but like, what if he's bad? Okay, well, what if you like like him as a person, for, but right? <laughs> Could be, but more my point is, he didn't go on there and sing to prove to you, you should like him as a singer. He was just cool. Mm. I was like, I want to hang out on a back patio with this guy and drink a beer. Yeah, that's what I thought listening to it, and I was like, yeah. No, it I reminded don't. me a little of sort of the being in the momentness of performing for an audience, mm. like being present yeah. during. To yeah. see like, oh, what could be the very unique thing that will come from this yes. human interaction yes. rather than like, I have this script of things I want to like, like, I didn't know you were a pastor's kid. Yeah, That's I like know. wild. That's yeah. why I never researched. So then yeah. there's this moment, it, it backfires sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes <laughs> I'm interviewing someone and they'll be like, I am like, oh, me? so you've, I, this literally just happened with Thomas Lennon, who's a comedian. And I knew he was a comedian. I knew he was an actor. I had no idea he was a writer. And not only is he a writer, but he's like a very successful writer. Oh, like okay. he's created Reno 911. He's, yeah, yeah. He wrote Night at the Museum. He has three New York Times bestsellers. Like he's a writer. And I was like, <laughs> in the interview, he's like, yeah, I, I, accidentally released a book on the same day as you a few times. Oh, like I saw my, this clip. Yeah. And um, I was, that was literally the moment that I found out he wrote, like, oh my God, but it's happening right. live. I think so a lot of comedians like, don't, you don't realize like Jim right. Gaffigan has like five best-selling books or whatever. You just think of like, yes, oh, you're a stand-up yeah. comedian. You're, you're the Reno 911 guy. Right. Like, and it should, it makes sense if you're funny. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you probably, and frankly, maybe nobody was like giving you the roles that you wanted. So you just started creating them for yourself. 100%. But yeah, it backfires sometimes when someone's like, <laughs> um, I am also very successful and you had no idea. I assume no one knows who anyone is unless you're right. Lady Gaga or Beyonce. I wish I was Lady Gaga or Beyonce, frankly. <sighs> no. You yeah. You're Rachel. You're right. You're right. You're right. You don't need to be. There you Beyonce. go. Beyonce. There you go. <laughs> I mean, nobody can be her but her. Are you a music fan? Are you a like you're gonna wait in line to get tickets to the concerts? No one can really. Yeah. Okay. I grew up well, my first concert was Rebecca St. James. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, a name I knew God, you would know. I wish I could like pull out one of her hits right now just to, I just, I, I had for a, me was yeah. one of the big ones about abstinence yeah, and course. sort of wait until yeah. marriage mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. make sweet, tender love. Yeah, of um, but I never, I think I'm like afraid of crowds, but I, I enjoy music. I like just like bad pop music. Um, not bad, yeah. but I, yeah, but I'm not like a concert goer. I'm so tall. I'm like yeah. the villain of the concert. Right, I like, like get can't down, get there. Down yeah. in front. People are like, I can't wait to see Lady Gaga. And I'm like, you're going to hear Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you're not going to see her. Yeah. She's cute. Exactly. I'll tell you about it. Exactly. I'll describe her outfit. <laughs> I was in, I got an Uber yesterday at JFK. And uh, as soon as I got in the car, the guy put on S Club 7. <gasps> Deep cut. I mean, wow. incredible band, by the way. But I did feel very profiled. And then I was oh, annoyed. Oh, you think you put it on? <laughs> 100%. But then I was annoyed because I was like, God damn it. I do love this playlist. That's hilarious. I I know it was like DJ. S club. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I had AirPods and I literally stopped my own music because I, I liked what he was playing. <laughs> Did, were they ABBA related or is that something it else? It feels like, it feels like they were doing if covers you told of me someone? that S club seven were all the children of the original ABBA members, I would, have, I would believe it. Uh, Cause they sort of came out of 
Scandinavia, perhaps? Was it, or there's a group called the A-Teens? Did I make that up? No, I, I might think be making that no, up. No, I think you're right. Those I, are the ABBA cover oh, kids. Oh, okay, okay. A-Teens. There was, it's funny, well, how old are you? I refuse. No, come on, I, I want to know for the In same. Hollywood, I can't. Okay, tell me and we'll No, I will. Okay. <laughs> I'll whisper it to you. Yes. No one listen. Everybody cover your ears cover at home. Ears, Be like, oh my God, out. Zach's so young. Yeah. Must be 27 or yeah, something. Totally. Voice of a generation. We think I'm 34. Okay. 34. I'm older than you. Oh, thank God. But, yeah. Jeez. No, I'm 40. You have a 16 year old child. I, know, I would but hope. I, but I mean, remember you never where know. I come from and what we do. <laughs> oh, my yep, people yep. knock out those babies as fast as you can. <laughs> there was like a, a whole period of music when I was like 10 through, let's say 14, where just random people with like S club seven or these like group bands just sort of showed up on the scene mm -hmm. and would have one or two hits with really obscure origin stories where you're like, where did you come from exactly? Oh, some evil music, like yeah, music producer empire probably. that we would create yeah, the like perfect. Yeah, like O-Town or- O-Town, LFO. Oh, L LFO. Yeah, Girl, I like girls, girls that, that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I mean, that song is insane. Have you ever listened to the words? <laughs> they literally just said what rhymes. Yes. What literally? The original I, I actually, like himbos, no. just like these words sound the same. They Let's put sound, them together. That has got to be the craziest. <laughs> oh, I feel like I could. We need the lyrics. I know that I can pull this out of my brain. It is like a Jeopardy moment. No one's ever asked LFO? me this. LFO? Yeah. What's, wow. Oh, there was a good I can do Bare Naked Ladies. I feel I much memorized. better, baby, when you're near. There was a good man named Paul Revere. No. Swear to God. That is you. If I'm lying, well, I'm dying. That is funny. a song. They know what they're they doing there. They just said. Yep. They just that's said what rhymes. sneaky and funny. What rhymes. And I remember... In fifth grade, there was a shift. I only did uh, religious music. So it was Rebecca St. James. Yes. A little bit of switch foot was sneaking in there. Nice. Sort of, if it didn't honor God. And then I got secular music. Uh, uh, yeah, in fifth huge grade, deal. In sync, Backstreet Boys, Offspring. Mm, Offspring. Uh, yeah. Whoa, I was okay. watching MTV on okay. the afternoons. Like it was, I was literally memorizing all these songs because my dad refused, all we were allowed. Um, is a little Beach Boys. That's yeah, the only secular say, music he I would could, allow. Yes, we were allowed. You could either listen to church music or you could listen to the oldie station. Mm, that was it. Mm. And I had uh, the radios, you know, it had like a dial and I took oh, a wow, Sharpie. No, yeah, kidding. I know. I, I, I took a too. Sharpie <laughs> and I highlighted <sighs> on the dial the oldie station and Aww. then I highlighted KKXX, which was like where you could listen to cool music. And if I heard someone coming, I would... Whoosh, just put it on over to wouldn't oh. it be nice so that I wouldn't get in trouble. We had very similar. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, I'm listening to K92. No right. one can hear me. Right. I even remember I loved radio contests. Like I would call in. I won a radio a contest. Lot. Really? What'd did you, you win? win too? I won all the time. I, I won. I answered a question about the Wizard of Oz when I was like, 14 or 15, something. And I won tickets to see Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons oh. at the Kern County Fair. That was my first <laughs> concert. And I was allowed Aww. to go because Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, obviously nothing bad. Yeah. And I, my older sister, teenager at the time took me. And I'm not going to lie, we had an amazing time. Aww. It was so much fun. That's and it was beautiful. I was so proud because I won. What'd we, you win? I won like a stack of CDs. I had to go in person and pick them up. I think there was like Destiny's Child. But oh, it was just like a stack of solid. CDs from all you had to do was it was like the top nine at nine. So it'd be nine songs and you had to keep track of all of them. And then there was a final question like, what was number four? Who was the artist for number four? 
I remember once you can't win more than once every nine, 30 days or something. So I remember I won and I had to wake up my dad. And so I was like, dad, tell him you have to say offspring. You just have, and he's like half asleep. He's like, what are you making me do? I woke him up. So that it was him that won. How cute. <laughs> oh, cause you'd already won. I can't win. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh crap. I can't win again. Cause I was calling so much. Yeah. I was like a little They're nerd. Like, I was friends with these DJs, or it felt like it. Like, I was calling often. Hey, Carol. One gave me, like, dating advice once. What was the advice? I was like, this girl just broke my heart, man. Just got my heart broken. (laughs) And he told me to watch uh, Swingers, the movie with um, John Favreau. Yeah, you're just like a rabbit. You've got got these claws. (laughs) You just got, you don't even know. That is such a I think it's a good movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I I haven't either, but I feel like 100% that's got to hold up. Here's hoping. John Favreau is basically who I want to be when I grow up. Yeah? You want to make movies and well, direct and- I just, he silently, without like a lot of fanfare, I don't even know if he has social media, just crushing it. Mm-hmm. Like started off as an actor, no one gives him a part. He writes swingers, he gets on the map, he keeps writing for people. And then he just writes himself into things. He starts direct. I just, I feel like he's, Figured he's it like out. the Mandalorian was his last, or did Probably. he direct Mandalorian? I mean, I think? he's done everything yeah. for yeah. Disney. It's crazy. And I just feel like my dream in life would be able to create at the highest levels and not have to promote it in any way. Oh, and I feel like he's mastered that. That's interesting. Can you imagine? You just Though get to I, make stuff and just put it I realized there. when I was watching like Tina Fey on a late night couch talking about uh, her show coming out or something a couple years ago. And I was like, oh. She's just promoting. It never ends. You don't get to some level where you get to stop. Yes. You're always, you always have to talk about about your thing. Yeah. So you just have to find like a fun way to do it. I think. John Favreau, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. These people who just like, all men, by the way, all men. There's not, Tina's going to have to hawk her stuff until she's like nine years old. Like, what is my thing? These guys are like, well, you have a penis, so you're, (laughs) you're fine. Just create. I'm sure it's great. Anyway. So the book comes out when? April 18th. April 18th. Tax day. Tax day. Perfect. People can pre-order it until then. That first week I'm going on a little tour. I'll be in Chicago, New York, LA, DC, San Francisco. When are you in LA? Um, April 24th, that Monday. Okay. I was like, gone? we're going to be in LA, but oh, no, I need 10th. to, I still need to ask someone to be my like in conversation guests. Oh yeah. I've had a couple people say, or to be, too, they're out of town or whatever. Oh, okay. So you're person. bringing on other comedians to like chat. Yeah. Cool. I think I'm going to do like do some of my stand up, but then also like talk about the book a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope it does well. I hope, it, I hope it finds the right people. You should read from the book. Really? Yeah. hundred okay. percent. I was worried that well, you do the same thing where it's yes. like in the moment talking yes. to the audience is always going to be more powerful than reading, right? Well, I think or- both. Like I remember years ago seeing David Sedaris do a tour for whatever book he had come out with at that moment because he just writes nonstop. But he did both. And gotcha. I loved hearing him read it. I feel like he's, is he like one of the last that can get away with that though? No. He literally just, he goes and reads. He it's does. so powerful. I mean, the, obviously the material is phenomenal. It's so so people phenomenal. Want to hear His it. voice is so great. I joke that I'm uh, I'm the gay David Sedaris. So, That's a yeah, fan- please. Wait. <laughs> it took me a minute. It took a second, but I got it. I got the it. The best jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't yeah they don't laugh. land immediately. No. Yeah. It's one of those, oh, three days <laughs> Slow later. Slow burn. <gasps> oh, I get it. <laughs> Uh, if people want to hang out with you online, where are you at online? I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at ZZ double ZZ. 
It's okay. hard to say, but at Z, the letter ZZ, the uh-huh. word double, and then ZZ. Okay, ZZ, And I post, like, ZZ. stand-up clips and uh, a lot of pictures of the cover of the book for yeah. the next few yes. month or so. And then uh, Zach-Zimmerman.com. I put all my tour dates and stuff there. Cool. Zach, thanks for hanging out, Oh, man. thanks for having me. This yeah. is a blast. Absolutely. It was great to talk to you. From one pastor's kid to I another. Know. PKs. PKs <laughs> unite. Well, we have a trauma bond. We'll, trauma we'll, bond. We'll continue the conversation. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. We've seen all the video call fails by now, the mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden and Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.